Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to another Fervent Online Experience. My name is Pastor Mike, lead pastor of Fervent Church, and um, today's going to be awesome. I hope you're excited because I know that some of you parents need a little break this week because it was the first day of school for many of our little children's. And uh, I know for us, it was a weird one because you're taking pictures of your kids and they're not leaving the house, right? You're used to taking pictures of your kids and putting them on the bus, uh, but we're taking pictures of our kids uh, and then putting them right in their room or their desk or something like that to work virtually. So it is strange times. And in this series that we're in, we're in this brand new series called A New Era. And we're, we're talking about going into a new chapter as a society, a new chapter as a church, and, and learning what it means to be new and what it means to live in the new. Um, but I can't help it. I started last week the same way, and I'm going to start this week the same way. I can't help um, but setting you up. That's been the thing, right? I set you up with, with talking about something nostalgic in our past and then showing us the brand new. Because um, here's the truth, guys. We can't celebrate what life has done in the past or what God has done in the past, but we can't live there. And I think that's what we try to do. We think that we, if you celebrate it, then you can live there. You can't. Um, we can only live in the now. But I remember waking up on the first day of school, and I remember I had to have a good breakfast, and normally that good breakfast consisted of sugary cereals. Come on, can I get an amen already? Right from the top. Who remembers sugary cereals, okay? And let me top it off this way because I'm going to add the, the, the hood part of it. Um, who remembers growing up um, in the not so financially stable house home where you didn't get the boxed cereals. Come on, somebody who's with me, right? You didn't get the box cereals. You got the bag cereal, all right? The, the, that bottom shelf stuff when you went to ShopRite, right? That bottom shelf stuff where you had to put it in the bag. And my mom, she was into Tupperware. Who remembers Tupperware? And she would get the little Tupperware things. She would pour it in the Tupperware, not keep it in the bag, and put it right on top of the refrigerator. And that's where we remember eating and drinking all that cereal. I remember I used to eat cereal in a mixing bowl. But I remember we got the cheap cereal, y'all. I'm talking about you might have grown up having Lucky Charms. We didn't have Lucky Charms. We had magic marshmallows. Come on right? We didn't have Tony the Tiger. Come on. We had Larry the Leopard, all right? So growing up, we were trying to save a buck um, and didn't have that stuff. And to be honest with you, it, it wasn't for a really long time until I, I understand and knew what the real stuff actually tasted like. I didn't know better until one day I had a friend named Greg and his dad, uh, I believe, was a lawyer. And I remember going to his house, and he would always have these crazy snacks. And, and literally, the boy had his own pantry of snacks for him and his friends. So I remember going over there and seeing all the crazy stuff he had. It was the very first time I had the Chips Ahoy cookies with the M&Ms in it. Come on. Come on. Whew, I feel the spirit this morning. All right? I remember first having that. And then he pulled out this bag or this, this, this package um, of these, these cookies, you might have heard them before. They, they, they have a, um, a, a chocolate you know, sandwich with the cream in the middle, all right? And, and in my house, okay, they were called, watch this, they were called Twist and Shouts, because that was the ghetto brand, Twist and Shouts. And if you know what I'm talking about, he pulled out this package that said Oreos on it. Come on, somebody, don't blame me. I just didn't know better. And he goes, hey, you want some Oreos? I'm like, what are Oreos? Oh, you mean Twist and Shouts? Come on, shout out to Chubby Checker. You mean some Twist and Shouts? I'll have me some Twist and Shouts, sure. And then he goes, you know what? I'm gonna put he put the package back, and then he pulled out these Oreos that were just in one sleeve. 
And he goes, here, that's for you. And I said, oh, do you want to split it? He goes, no, I'm going to have my own sleeve, right? Blew my mind that I was able to have my own sleeve of twist and shouts, okay? And so we're eating it. He pulls out the milk. And then I'm used to the twist and shouts, you know, because an Oreo, now that I know, because, again, I just didn't know, um, you, you put the Oreo in the milk, and what happens to the Oreo? The Oreo gets a little soft and you put it in your mouth, right? Well, twist and shouts, they were so cheap that you put it in the milk and the milk got hard, okay? So I, I tried this Oreo and, and I, I just didn't know better, y'all. I, I thought the twist and shouts were the thing to eat. I thought the twist and shouts were the, was the epitome of my cookie eating experience. But when I tried the Oreos, y'all, oh. When I tried the Oreos, it was groundbreaking and it hit me. I was like, man, there's so much out there that I just don't know. I wonder what the top shelf cereals taste like. I wonder what other cookies taste like when you get the real brand. Come on. No offense, mom, but I want to know the real brand taste. Come on. I just didn't know better. All right. Now, this sermon is not all about horrible eating and cheap food. What this sermon's about is that there are times where we feel like we've arrived at the epitome, at the top, at the apex of our experience with things. Some of you today, maybe you, you felt like you've already achieved the, the top of the, where your relationship with your spouse is going to be. Maybe you already received the top experience of your work or, or your occupation or, or your career. Maybe you're, you, you felt like you've already hit the mountaintop of your God experience. But I'm here to tell you, you don't know better that there is something better out there and do not limit what life can take you, where life can take you because of your experience. We're in a new era. Come on. We're in a new era. And, and don't buy into the lie, folks. Come on. I'm starting hot off the top. Don't buy into the lie that ignorance is bliss. Well, I'm fine with just living with my, my experiences, and, and, and if that's the best I'm going to live, then I'm fine with that. No, don't, don't buy into the lie that ignorance is bliss. Here's the deal. We say, well, what you don't know won't hurt you, but ignorance is dangerous because you don't know that it's hurting you. Write that down. Come on. Where you're at in the comments, all right? Ignorance is dangerous because you don't know that it's hurting you. And so as we learn to discover the new, as we put ourselves out there to, to be risk takers and charter into the new, okay, we have to not limit, we have to not limit what could happen because of our experiences. Come on. You don't know that you're living in lack. You don't know that there's more in front of you. And we have to step into the new era. Come on. If you're with somebody in your living rooms, in the back porch, in the backyard, push them and say, you just don't know. You just don't no. And Jesus kind of set us up for this new era. And again, that's been the theme of some of his preaching, if you catch it or not. He keeps on talking about new stuff. He's like, I'm, I'm giving you a new kingdom, a new way of living. And today, he's, I'm going to talk about when he spoke about a new wine. Okay, so let's go there in Mark chapter 2. Now, here's the setup. In Mark chapter 2, in this chapter, we start off the chapter with Jesus. He's preaching in somebody's household, right? And the household is packed. The household is full, all right? There's a lot of people 
in the household. That's how attractive and approachable Jesus is, that people came to see them and they didn't mind. They were sitting shoulder to standing shoulder to shoulder watching my man preach. And not only that, the people were so passionate about Jesus that they brought people to Jesus. So the beginning of Mark chapter 2, there's a story where these four men, they cut a hole in the roof to, to bring this paralyzed man to Jesus so that Jesus can heal him. I wish somebody would be that passionate in this modern day age to do whatever you can to bring people to Jesus. Anything short of sin, I want to bring people to Jesus. So we see the beginning of this chapter start off like that. Then he goes into this dialogue where he's sitting with the tax collectors and sinners, the Bible says. And anytime Jesus is sitting with the tax collectors and sinners, right? Because back then, tax collectors, they were equivalent to sinners because tax collectors were Jewish people that were basically betraying their own people um, by, by working for the government and taking money from their people, okay? That's, that's what tax collectors were. They were betrayers, right? They were backstabbers of their own tribe. And so he's sitting with these guys. He's he is having a dialogue. He's having a conversation. And so people didn't like that. They're like, whoa, if he, if he really knew who he was sitting next to, he wouldn't sit next to them. No, Jesus knew, and he did it anyway, okay? So he, he got this set up, and, and he got all the critics come, and they're, they're criticizing Jesus' ministry. So we're going to pick it up. Um, in verse 18, and this is like afterwards they question him and says, how is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors, right? So that's how they closed off that, that dialogue. So then moving on, so the, the disciples of John, which is Jesus' uh, cousin, second cousin, by the way, um, and the Pharisees. So remember, Pharisees were people that were very religious. It says this, so they came to him and they said, the disciples of John, people you know, your family, all right, put this in context, your family and the religious folks are fasting, they came and said to Jesus, why do the disciples of John and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. No one, no one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, or else the new piece pulls away from the old garment, and the tear is made worse. And no one, I love Jesus' strong language here, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine bursts the wineskins, the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine must be put in new wineskins. New wines must be put in new wineskins. New wine must be put in new wineskins. Here's what Jesus was saying, that the new can only accept the new. That the new can only accept the new. So as we're stepping as a church into the new era of who we are, maybe the new chapter of your life even, um, we got to understand that the new only accepts the new. So how can we be people that receive new things from God, new things from life. I'm glad you asked because I got three quick points for you this morning um, that we're, we're taking away from, from the story of Jesus and the, these, this parable from Jesus on how do we receive new stuff. What's the process? Ready? Number one, in order to receive new things from God, you have to, number one, you have to be willing to see that it's time. When I say it's time, put time in quotes. It's time. The time is now, okay? It's time to do it. So many of us, we think we have time to try the new. 
But life is a vapor. Life comes and goes. Just talk to some of my vintage people, vintage attenders here at Fervent Church. Is that life is a vapor. Life flies by. I remember taking the picture of my kid going to, going to school for first grade. Now he's in 10th grade, okay? It, it flies, okay? So you got to understand that now is the time. Let's not waste any more time with the old. Now is the time for the new. And what were they telling Jesus? Hey, listen to me. Um, Jesus, the, the disciples of John... And the Pharisees, they fast. In other words, what were they saying to him? They said, this is what we're used to doing. Therefore, don't you have to do it this way because this is what we're used to doing. And I love Jesus' answer here because he, he always answers the question with the question. He goes, can, can these people fast while the bridegroom is still here? And he was talking about this imagery because during the time uh, 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 when the bridegroom is there, when the bridegroom shows up to the ceremony, to the party, it is not time to fast. It is time to celebrate. So basically what Jesus is saying is this, hey, the old was looking for me. If you, if you talk, if you look at Old Testament scripture or the, the Hebrew Bible, they're still looking for the Messiah. And Jesus is like, yo, I'm here. It's not time to do anything else but to celebrate that the thing that you've been praying for is right in front of your face. That was his answer. He says, the Messiah is here. We celebrate. The new you've been looking for wants you to celebrate. The new you've been looking for has officially arrived. That's how Jesus answered that question. And so we have to understand that there are things in our lives that we've been praying for, we've been hoping for, right? I love this, that even the Bible says that the, the Spirit of God intercedes for, for us. So that things that even the Spirit has been hoping for for us on our behalf for this future, okay? But we don't recognize it because sometimes it comes in a new package, and it's not going to come in the old package. And uh, there's a buddy of mine um, that... We were praying for him for a while because he was kind of like a lonely dude. He just couldn't find the one. And he, he, we just all knew that he was wired to be a good dad. He was wired to be a good husband. But it just for some strange reason, um, he wasn't a bad-looking dude. He wasn't anything. He just, he just couldn't, couldn't find the one until he did. And then he, when he really did find, find the one, you could just tell in the beginning he was just full of the honeymoon period. Um, and and we, could, we didn't see him for a while. Hello, because he was, he was doing stuff. Um, we didn't see him for a while. But then after a while, he started hanging back out again. And you see his attitude shift a little bit. And normally what we would do, because it's, it, since we're all now married with kids, you got to plan the next time you're hanging out. Come on. Where, where, my, where my parents at? You know what I'm talking about. And so you got to plan the next time right before you end the current time. And so we're trying to plan it. And he goes, ah, I can't, can't do that day, man. I, I got to, unfortunately, I got to do the husband thing. All right, buddy. Well, what about this other day? Ah, I can't, I can't do that thing. I got to do the dad thing. And so we eventually figured out an, another time to do that. But I made mental note of that. Mm, that's, that's a strange posture. We went from, um, we went from being, being uh, praying and interceding for this dude and him being excited and celebratory that is God answered his prayer. And now he has this different posture towards God's answer for his prayers. And so the next time we did the exact same thing. Ah, I got I to gotta leave now, guys. I got to go do the, the husband thing. Um, and, and, I, and I had the opportunity to walk into his car and I said, hey, man, um, just brother to brother. I feel like I have the relationship uh, you know, uh, attachment to you that I could actually say this and challenge you in this. But um, 
yo, knock that off, man. Like, this is, you're, you're not doing the husband thing. You're not doing the dad thing. Come on, have you ever heard a dad say, oh, I gotta go babysit my kids? That's not babysitting. That's you being a dad. So I told him, I said, hey, being a dad, being a husband, it's not what we do. It is who we are. And let me be the one to remind you of those sad days you felt when you were alone. The, the days where you dreamt of having kids, of, of having kids to, to run around your house and, and, and to have a family. Let me remind you of that. And let me remind you that this is not, you don't just do the blessing, you are living in the blessing. You are the blessing. It's not what we do, it's who we are. And so what am I saying that's used that, that sometimes you gotta recognize that, that this new era that we're living in is it's not just what we do, we, it is who we are. The Bible says the old is gone, the new has come. You are a new creation in Jesus. That is, that is, church isn't something we do. It is who we are. Come on. Come on. You better be lighting up that comment section right now. And then sometimes we get into that same old rut. So sometimes we, we do things that originally brought us close to God, like reading, like going to service, like doing this. It, it brought us close to God. But you got to be careful that sometimes those things that brought us close to God becomes things that we just do to do church. When, listen, let me remind you, it's not what we do. It is who we are. It is who we are. Jesus is not coming back for our actions. He is coming back for his church. And what is his church? His church is who you are. It is not this video. It is not our buildings. It is the people that are sitting on the seats watching this video, commenting right now, you are the church. And now is the time to be the church. Because what I don't want to happen is this. I don't want to be a dying church. If you know the history of Fervent Church, we, what we've done is we've acquired a number of churches along the way that were on the decline. And, and I'm so grateful for those who stuck around. And, and, and now we're seeing the fruit of it. And now we're going to see a new era together with it. Um, but I don't want to be one of those receiving end churches. Here's a couple statements of dying churches. You ready? Here's what dying churches say. They say things like, well, we've never done it that way. They say things like, well, that's not how we used to do it. Those are statements of a dying church. Or, well, so-and-so always did that. Come on. Sister so-and-so, brother so-and-so always did that, so therefore we got to maintain that. Or, or you might hear the same say, well, if you change that, then so-and-so is going to leave. Can you tell I have some experience in this area? If you change that, oh, so-and-so might not like that, and then so-and-so is going to leave. They're going to leave the church. Let, again, let me remind you, how are you going to leave the church when you are the church? Come on, I'm about to. Y'all getting this? How are you going to leave the church when you are the church? That's like me saying I'm going to leave my manhood. That's like me saying I'm going to leave my baldness. No, that is who I am. I can't leave that. I can't depart from that. And so when change comes, you don't abandon ship. When change comes, you lock in with other people with you, with your family, and you keep on moving forward. But I don't want to be a Italian church. Why? Because the time is now. Let's stop doing the church thing because we're not good at it. But let's start being the church that God has called us to be because now is the time. Number two, if you want to receive new things from God, you have to be willing not to refurbish the old, not to refurbish 
the old. You know what refurbish means? Like when you take something, you fix it, and you try to make it like as if it was new, right? I know that I'm a cheapo sometimes. My mom taught me well with the cereal boxes. You know, I'm a cheapo, and sometimes I'll buy refurbished Apple products, or you know, or I got actually it's a refurbished watch that I'm wearing right now because it's cheaper. But in order for us to be see the new, we have to be willing not to refurbish the old. This is what Jesus said. He says, no one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth. Okay, so what he means is like, that's a new piece of cloth. It's unshrunk. A new piece of cloth on an old garment or else the new piece pulls away from the old. Y'all see the language he's using right here? Pulls away from the old and the tear is made worse. So the tear is made worse. So this is what happens when we try to like combine the old with the new. Sometimes it feels endearing. Sometimes it feels like it's the right thing to do. But you got to be cautious because Jesus is saying this, hey, it is going to cause damage. And in my experience as a leader, it causes spiritual damage. Come on. It causes spiritual damage when you're trying to, come on, when you're trying to, to put a new patch on an old garment. Let me be the one to remind you that new patches don't fix old garments. New patches don't fix old garments. Garments. Let me get personal with you for a second. Hey, listen to me. A new relationship's not going to fix the old you. A new career is not going to fix the old you. Come on. New clothes aren't going to fix the... Ladies, I'm sorry. Those new shoes aren't going to fix the old you. Shoot, I said ladies. Men, that new sneaker, those new pair of sneakers aren't going to fix the old you. That new car is not going to fix the old you. That new church is not going to fix the old you. Woo! Come on, we we I know we don't do church, but we have in church right now. All right, it's not gonna fix old it, new patches. Do not fix old garments. Just doesn't work that way. We cannot refurbish if we're gonna remember the only the new accepts the new. So this new angle of church, this new angle of Jesus, this new angle of who I am can't fit into old expectations. Let's stop refurbishing it, guys. Let's try to just grab things from the past and try to bring it along with us. And we're dragging around all this luggage in our life and wondering why we aren't running free. Because you have to be willing not to refurbish the old. Last one, number three. And honestly, I'm going to spend some time on number three. Uh, I really believe in my spirit that it's important um, for those watching right now. Um, I'm not trying to be mystical. I'm not trying to be spiritual. But honestly, like I've been praying and, and processing this. And this, this one right here, number three, we got to focus in on. You ready? Here you go. Number three, you have to be willing to change your capacity. You have to be willing to change your capacity. I'll explain what that means in a minute. But watch this. When Jesus started talking about the cloth that was shrunk, and the wineskins that were stretched. So the, the clothes, they were shrunk to the point where it couldn't shrink anymore. And the wineskins, they were stretched to the point where they couldn't stretch anymore. Somebody say capacity issues. Okay? The, Jesus was talking about the capacity issue to see the new things he was doing. They're talking about fasting. And Jesus is talking about celebrating. Come on. There are times and moments where like, like you're, you're, you're talking about like deep theology and Jesus is talking about grace right now, right? You're, you're talking about the good old days and Jesus is talking about, yo, I want to write some better days. 
All right. So they're on different pages here. And so what he's trying to say is like we're trying to understand that you need to change your capacity in order to receive this newness that I have. OK, do you have answer this question? Do you have the capacity for the things you want out of life? Do you have the capacity for the things you desire in your life? I'm hoping that today you walk away understanding that your desire needs to match your capacity. I'll say it a couple different ways so you understand it. Many of us, we have a plan for certain things, right? But if your, your plan, your desire, doesn't match your capacity, or like I would say your discipline, many of us, we have plans, but we don't have the discipline. That's what I mean by your desire and your capacity need to match the same way that your discipline and your plan needs to match. I could have a plan to lose weight, but if I don't have the discipline to lose weight, it doesn't matter. My desire needs to match my capacity. And we desire new things. We desire more of God. So if you desire more of God, you have to first change your capacity. Because if not, this is what we do, folks. We love, all throughout human history, we love to contain God. Ooh. Because by containing God, we feel as though we're in control of the information and we could better understand him. All right. But we don't lean upon our understanding. We, we just need to dive deeper into our relationship with God, right? He, the Bible says that he will give you peace that surpasses understanding. But we love to contain God. All throughout history, we love to contain God. That is why, folks, what we've done is by contain, how do we contain God? We've contained God by our methods. Well, it's all about hymns. You can't do anything other than hymns. We contain, well, it's all about this translation of the Bible. We try to contain God with our methods, and he's not always in the method. Okay, we try to contain God. Oh, come on. We try to contain God in places all throughout history. We try to contain God in places. One of my favorite parts of the Bible is where when Jesus died on the cross and he said, it is finished. There's this place called the Holy of Holies. It was a place where God met with his people. And when he died on the cross, the curtain that separated us from the Holy of Holies, us from the presence of God was torn in two, giving us all free access to the glory of God, free access to the presence of God. So we try to contain him in places. And what happens after a while, we don't worship God. We worship places. Come on. And that's what happens when you contain God. You worship places and not the person. When you try to contain God, you worship places and not the person of God. And we, we weren't meant to contain God. He was supposed to be free. And so that's why when the Bible says that our body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit, we take him with us everywhere we go. God never, was never designed to be contained, but sometimes we still try to contain him in our past when he wants to break through into our future. And so we have to change our capacity. And this is why the church doesn't grow when you invite someone to a place. The church grows when you invite someone into relationship. Come on. Come on. He, our church doesn't grow because you invited someone to a place. I think we've limited him to just to that. Or oh, if I could just get him, get her to church, then they have a chance. No, no, no. When the church grows when you invite someone into a relationship with you and a relationship with God. That's when a church, and, and that's when we're really being the church. That's when the church actually grows. So the way we've done things 
What it's done is when, again, talking about our capacity, the way we've done things, it's done one out of two things. And this is the imagery that Jesus is teaching us. It says that the, the cloth is shrunken, okay? The, the, the clothes are shrunk. It's, just, it, it's already, it, it's gone to as tight as it could possibly be. So at times when we just are so stuck on the old, we become tight and rigid. And guess what, folks? Our world becomes small. Our world becomes small, controllable, understandable, and, and, and we just stay as small, closed-minded individuals. Or maybe the opposite, where you've been stretched as far as you think you could possibly go with the old ways, and you've hit the end of yourself. And quite frankly, you've gotten bored. Can I, moment of vulnerability? I've gotten to the end of myself, even when it comes to musical worship. I'm, I'm like bored with musical worship. And, and for a while, I just thought, well, I have to just continue to be in love with this. I got to find a way to continue to be in love with this. But, but then God was like, no, find new ways to engage with me. Go, go to the end of yourself and then find out that there's more about increasing your capacity. Why? Because he said, I want to pour in new wine. If he wants to pour in new wine, I can't be the old wine that's already at the end of myself because if I can't stretch anymore, if I, if I don't create a new capacity for what God has in store for my life, I'm going to burst and I'm going to be spiritually damaged. I don't want that for me, and I surely don't want that for you. Come on. And so what we have to do is we have to, if you're bored, if you're bored, if you're at the end of yourself, then here's what you do. Maybe it's time that you actually lead someone through the adventure of their development if you're at the end of yourself. There's a new capacity for you, okay? So you're like, well, I'm not getting anything out of Bible studies. I'm not getting anything out of following other people. Then maybe it's time for you to be a leader. Maybe it's time for you to increase your capacity. Maybe it's time for you to sign up and be trained to be a link leader so you can reach lost people for the kingdom of God. Maybe it's time for that. So you're, it was too comfortable sitting on the see and just receiving and you're bored with that if you're bored with that then it's time for you to give it's time for you to recognize that you've been blessed to be a blessing and then we're not called to be hoarders we call to be generous and if that's the case stretch your capacity and if your world is so small if your world is so small and you become stagnant then what you need to do is increase your capacity and make your world larger you need new friends. Some of us listen to too much Drake. No new friends. No new friends. No, 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 new. No, you need new friends. Change up your circle of friends. Break open that small world and increase your capacity. Why? Because Jesus says new wine must be put into new wineskins. You want more of God? Good on you. Change your capacity. Because new wine must be put into new wineskins. So now is the time. New is the way. And growth is the promise. That's it. Now is the time. New is the way. And growth is the promise. That's what I'm believing in this new era of your life and this new era of Fervent Church. Do you believe me? Do you believe that? I hope you do. And here's what I want to do. I want to close today with, with prayer. I want to do something a little different. It's a new era. Um, so here's the deal. If you're on Facebook, um, I, I want you to, to just give me some type of 
emoji, raise your hand, do something, um, just to show us that, that we're praying with you. Um, if you're on YouTube, um, and I don't know what your limitations are, but, but if you can't put an emoji or just say, you know, I'm raising my hand right now. Um, and if you're on our church website, um, there's actually a prayer room that you could join one of our leaders in right now. But I believe it's time to pray. I believe it's time to pray and to pray in a new way. And that new way is going to be this. I want you to tell God in your own words, in your own words, how you want him to stretch your capacity. Maybe, for an example, it might be, hey, you know what, God, give me a new capacity to be a better spouse. And that, that could go towards even if you're single. Some people think like, well, I've been desiring to, to be in a relationship. Well, increase your capacity and let your capacity match your desires. Prepare yourself now to be a good spouse. Okay, but whatever it is, ask God right now to increase your capacity, increase your capacity for discipline. Maybe it's discipline. Maybe it's wisdom. Right. To increase your capacity. So if you need someone to help you pray, and hopefully you're on our church website, someone will help you pray. But if you're on YouTube or you're on Facebook um, right now, just in your own words, just a phrase, just just tell God, tell God. And, and we're just sharing with you. Share, tell God how you want him to increase your capacity. Because you want your capacity to match your desires for more of him and more of life. Let's do it right now. And as you're doing that, I'm just going to quickly pray for you. Father, I don't care who they are. I don't care if this is their first time watching or their hundredth time watching, God. I pray that you reveal to them through your Holy Spirit because you have not given them a junior Holy Spirit. You've given them the same Holy Spirit that's living in me, the same Holy Spirit that was living in Jesus so if that is the case, Holy Spirit, reveal yourself to them. And show them where they need to increase so that they can receive the new. And we echo your words that new wine belong in new wineskins. And if this, if this prayer, God, if this prayer is for a person who's going to be new to their faith today, I pray that you enlarge them in such a way um, that it blows everyone away, God, that, that it shocks their friends, it shocks their family, that they went from zero to 100 so fast in their faith in this moment because that's the kind of God we serve because you take new people, new people, um, and, and you rock our worlds with those new people and you use those new people as leaders. Um, so I'm praying for that, God, and I'm believing wholeheartedly that truly better days are ahead of us and that this new era it's going to be everything you've dreamed of, God. In Jesus' name, amen.